I did it for love. It was a jape. Don't be a cunt about it. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I must go punch that baby. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Poor Things. We're coming in hot. We are using the C word explicitly and... Uh, Punching babies. Yeah, you know, we gotta, we gotta, that's what it is the season. <laughs> Holidays are over officially. Have you, did you, wait, okay. No, sorry, I interrupted. No, I interrupted. Uh, no, I interrupted. No, 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 sorry. Did you read the Variety article? I think I mentioned it in a previous podcast, which said that Gen Z is wants less sex in movies we talked about it yeah. we might have done it on the show yeah, but everything yeah. is a blur yeah 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 i i just pulled it up before um and i think we we're going to talk about it a lot in why, relation why, to would, this. why would we talk about that um uh, no reason whatsoever no? but 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 what before we get to the, the the tawdry talk even though we've already broached the rubicon so to speak um what was it you were going to say <laughs> I, uh, I was going to talk about holidays and and the I was going to do the thing right that you're supposed to do when you see a colleague after all the holidays are done. Okay, and, and it's a oh obligatory. How was your winter holiday was time? Your, it was terrific. Thank you very much. How was yours? Mine was also excellent. And right. now we may continue and now our on work. with the show. <laughs> actually, uh, we can do like a couple of rapid fire. Well, actually, one rapid fire review. I saw Aquaman. Oh, Two. the Kingdom of Atlantis. What's the, the, the King Lost Kingdom? Lost Kingdom. Uh, and it's a. I I am genuinely astounded by a movie can be that enormous, that big, with Lord of the Rings style world building. Sure, you know, there's a there's a mythology within that film that is on the scale of like how the Rings of Power came to be. Yikes! And yet it is utterly, completely forgettable. Like it's just like it. It, it is as though the movie came in with the loudest explosion and then disappeared as quickly as it arrived. I mean, and, like, and like, and I was just like dumbfounded by it. And, and, and what it actually got me thinking about was that, um, I think it was Jonathan Blade had been uh, messaging me and we were talking, he had found a, a creator on TikTok that talked about, um, uh, people who didn't want to watch, uh, franchise films. And he was like, this is like you and I, or I, I think I might have said that. <laughs> this is what you do. <laughs> this is what you do. And then I, uh, I, I sent him a, uh, another, um, TikTok, I'm just explaining what we do now. <laughs> so how does the internet work? So you were on a device <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and you sent him a message and via the, And the platform. message I sent him was uh, an interview with Francis Ford Coppola on the red carpet where he was talking about the fact that he liked Spider-Man and he liked Shrek, but he was like, but I don't really make those kinds of movies. And what he pointed to is he was like, some movies are made. He, he said, I'm, I'm trying to make movies that you might want to watch in 20 years time. Like you'd watch now and then you'd watch again in 20 years time and it might affect your life in somehow. He says, there's, there's other kinds of movies like Spider-Man and Shrek and this interview is from a while back. I was going to say, what yeah. year was this? Yeah, yeah. The, the year of Spider-Man and Shrek. He was like, those the, we're, we're movies which are instantaneously gratifying, but ultimately you never revisit. And, and is he and, saying Shrek and Spider-Man you yeah. never revisit? Yeah, that's what he was saying. Uh, that's and, wrong. Well, I, I kind of agree with him, but but I've yeah, watched well, both like, those movies a thousand times. You might be the exception. I don't know. Um, but I agree with the sentiment. I agree, I agree with the sentiment. I agree with current day oversaturation yeah. Aquaman the Lost Kingdom of Yeah, it all. and it was and it was the Aquaman the Lost Kingdom where I was like, This is a movie I will have forgotten existed within a week's time. 
I'll go I'll go one further. I thought that movie came out years ago. I thought there was already an Aquaman 2 and this was Aquaman 3. Right. Like in my and I in my head canon, I believed that wholeheartedly until yeah. someone's like, "Oh, the second Aquaman." I was like, "No." Yeah, no. There's been more than bro, oh, shit. <laughs> uh and, and here's the truth of it. The first Aquaman, yeah. I didn't mind. It it, 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 is, it is a fine movie. Yeah. Uh sure. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, it was set up to die. I mean, look, for better or worse. But the DCEU is over. Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, uh, James Gunn is changing it up. I think that's good because it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. No matter what people were saying, uh, it wasn't working. Just like Marvel should start changing it up because it's not working. Right. Um, you know, I, I I, really, it's funny. Not to go too far down into this. I'm, I'm sure you haven't seen the trailer for Echo. I saw that there is a trailer. For okay. Echo. I have not seen it. Uh, it's one of those. Tra- it's a very well cut together trailer, I think. And it's I- I'm so done hoping these things are good. Yeah, uh, I will be pleasantly surprised if so. Right. Because it feels a little more grounded. That's kind of what I want. I, yeah. I want more. I would love it if whatever they're doing with that Daredevil series, like actually re- revitalizes something. Because and again, we we should get into poor things. Yagas Lanthimos yeah. film, poor things. But um. Uh, if my understanding is correct, is that they sc- they they were halfway through shooting, and then they, they scrapped, scrapped it, it, and they're doing it again. Doing it again. Yep. Do over. What? Why not? I say. If you got, sure. if you got the budget to do it, why not? Um, we have some emails, uh, Christmas emails, uh, emails to catch up on. We actually, uh, I, again, thank you everyone that writes us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. We're actually a little bit inundated with emails and that, and that is a lovely feeling. It is a lovely feeling. We're not gonna, we're not gonna dump all of them on you at once. We're going to, we're going to savor them. They're going to be like a a special treat that we can start (laughs) off the next few episodes with. But Marcus writes, g'day only movie pod. I believe Marcus is uh, emailing us from Australia, emailing you this, uh, on Christmas day after a day of swimming at the beach, devouring a huge Huge lunch and napping. Nice. While semi-napping, I was listening to your recent episode on The Boy and the Heron. I saw the dubbed movie with friends three days before Christmas, and we all loved it. It was great to see a Miyazaki film on the big screen, and upon reflection, agree with Shahir's points he raised. I followed more closely with the film in the first half, while I found I was a bit lost during the second. However, I did enjoy my time in the film. The film felt more like a deep dive into the mind of Miyazaki and his process through the uh, and thoughts on creation, arts, and the emotions children go through. It will sit in my top five Miyazaki films. Wonderful score by Joe Hishashi as well, which is something I don't think you touched on the episode. You're absolutely correct. Yep. And uh, it is it. an incredible score. To answer your question on what I watched <laughs> on Christmas, I sat down with my mother at her place to watch Bradley Cooper's Maestro together. Oh. And we both thought it was a great film. Brilliant performances by Bradley Cooper and Carey Mulligan, a mirror into the life of a flawed yet brilliant man, was a breath of fresh air creatively, uh, creatively uh, in the recent wave of musician biopic films. Cooper is certainly a director to keep an eye on in the future. Maestro is a top contender to win a sweep of awards in 2024. I, I have heard quite the opposite. So I'm, really? I, yeah, I, I have, uh, Marcus, I have not seen the film, by the way. This is me talking. Um, but I have heard quite the opposite. And I'm, I'm very... I'm I'm I I I love Marcus's opinion, so I will. I'm now I, more interested. I'm more interested in seeing it now. Uh, my question for you guys, if you haven't seen Maestro, is who would win in a conductor off between Kate Blanchett's Lydia Tarr versus Bradley Cooper's Leonard Bernstein? Oh, if we have seen it. Oh well, no. I mean, there's no question here. There's no there's no question. Uh, my money is on Lydia Tarr, as is mine. Yes, yeah, she body slammed another conductor to the ground uh, had, when they got in the way. Keep up the good work into 2024, and congrats, Matt and the EC team on three million subs. Aww. Best wishes, Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. And I agree with the Lydia Tarr thing. I mean, she's doing Monster Hunter stuff now. Like she's <laughs> she's fighting big <laughs> but, things. But remember who her mentor was in the film, Lenny Bernstein. Yeah. So this is part of the extended 
Uh, the Symphony, Tar Universe. Yeah, Symphony Tar Universe. Uh, <laughs> we're we are nothing if not idiots and trolls. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At first, I was going to try to fight that, and I'm like, no, 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 that's no. what we are. Uh, next email comes from Muhammad says, hey, guys, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you both. I recently watched the final Indiana Jones movie. Um, uh, Muhammad, we don't know that <laughs> for sure, but I get where you're going and sigh. I am kind of disappointed in James Mangold after wowing me with Logan and Ford v. Ferrari. I had high hopes for this film and from him but i don't think this film is any good <laughs> i mean i had an enjoyable time watching it but at no point i thought oh wow this is so much better than crystal skull what's crystal skull Mohammed? Oh, um anyway i know crystal still gets a lot of hate and uh I have revisited a few times. My appreciation of my appreciation of it has only grown larger. I also didn't like the way the, the Dial of Destiny discarded characters like his son for, in his, in my opinion, cheap emotional moments. I don't know, man. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. At least I like to see my favorite fictional characters get a happy ending after a send-off. To me, this film is a sobering reminder of just not touching a series started by Ole Spielberg. Also, I hate it so much to see the great Mads Mikkelsen being relegated to appear as the generic Nazi-esque villain. I just think he deserves better roles than Disney is offering him. Anyways, wish you all the best. P.S. In my last email, I meant to say that I would rather have you review the 1995 Ghost in a Shell than Samurai Cop, because holy hell, Samurai Cop is such a monstrosity of a film. <laughs> uh, fair. Okay, fair. We, have, we bounced around on this. Muhammad, we will do one of these. You know, uh, a couple of things here. Uh, first off, James Mangold, I agree wholeheartedly. That was the main reason I wanted to see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was that it was a James Mangold film and unfortunately it didn't quite live up to that. Uh, another factor is, is that movie cost nearly $300 million, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like like we were just talking about Aquaman, is I have completely erased it from my memory uh, entirely. Weirdly, <laughs> weirdly, and I'm not disagreeing with yeah. really any point being made here. Yeah. Uh, I do think about the end of I don't want to talk about it in case I, people haven't seen it. I think it has a good it, it has a the, nice send off. The the before the very end. Like yeah. the 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 what happens in the big thing in the third act. Yeah. Okay. It, that does stick with me. It's something and I, I don't agree with where the movie finishes finishes, mm -hmm. but that to me, I'm that's an Indiana Jones moment for me. Yeah. But the rest of the movie is utterly forgettable. <laughs> Completely forgettable. And um the, the the point that Muhammad raised there, which I was just thinking about, was what are the franchises that Steven Spielberg has started? And the fact, and I think, I think consistently, every franchise he started has have been marked by the fact that his entries into that franchise are great, and every other entry is not. Uh, so that would be Indiana Jones. Yep. Uh, although the last two have not been great. Right. Uh, one was directed by him. That would be Jaws. Uh, yep. One oh, yeah. film that was amazing, and three others that were terrible. There's more than three. Uh, is there Jaws five? Yeah. What is there? I'm, well, I'm no, pretty I sure there is. I thought it was is. Jaws 1, 2, 3, and 4. 3D and a 4. 4 is the Michael uh, Caine. Uh, I believe Cruel Jaws. No, is it? No. Yeah. Cruel Jaws? Yeah. No, an Italian direct-to-horror video film. No, 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 no. There's only there's only four Jaws. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, and, and then Jurassic Park, um, which uh, there is one great movie in that franchise. And, I and think okay, Lost sequel. World is pretty good. Uh, yeah. Uh, but again, that's but again, Steven, yep. Steven Spielberg. Yep. Though. Um, you know, he's also been uh, basically the the person who initiated the Men in Black franchise. Mm -hmm. um, the first one is great. I and might just go out on a limb and say this Steven Spielberg guy, he might know what he's doing. He might know what he's doing. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm still hoping for a Tintin, uh, Tintin follow. I thought his Tintin was excellent. Yeah, um, that feels like it's possible. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, Steven Spielberg, uh, hard hard act to follow. 
Um, finally. Oh, oh sorry. Last thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mohammed, if you're looking for Mads Mikkelsen performances that you could like uh, in the gaming space, I know Hideo Kojima is coming out with uh, a couple things that I'm sure will have him in it because they're best buds now, I believe, after... Um, uh, Death Stranding. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure there'll be, they just did a tech demo of, um, he wasn't in the tech demo, but they did it at the game awards of yeah. like some ins- insane rendering and facial capture for uh, a new game that they're, is that that's the Jordan Peele game? Yes. Out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so he'll be around there. I'm sure in also, the Kojima verse, uh, check out Thomas Vinterberg's film, the hunt. Uh, mm. I highly recommend that if you're, if you're into Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, Sarah writes in, hi, Matt and Shahir. I started listening to your podcast earlier this year, but haven't written until now. Well, thank you. Welcome. Uh, I just want to say that I love this podcast. I love movies and having conversations with my friends about movies I've seen, and it's loads of fun to listen to you guys talk about all kinds of movies. And I have even watched some movies after listening to your podcast that I wouldn't necessarily have watched before. No hard feelings to be specific, which I thought enjoyed thoroughly. I'm so excited to hear all if your all's episode on the boy and the heron. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm excited to watch it and then hear what you guys think. I wondered if either of you had watched many Hayao Miyazaki films. Uh, uh, I would love to hear your thoughts about Howl's Moving Castles and Princess Mononoke. Thank you and happy holidays from Sarah. Again, welcome to the welcome to the welcome to the Topam um, fam. Yeah, Topam fam. We're Ugh. hip. We're with it. Taka 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 taka. Topam fam uh, just sounds. I love Topam. So Topam fam sounds bad if you say it slow. I just I just think of Tojan and Earl. Yeah. <laughs> great Sega Genesis game. Great, it is great Sega Genesis. Game. Uh, we did talk about actually a lot of our Miyazaki picks mm-hmm. and things in that episode, so you might be getting that information there. Howls is my favorite. It's my number Princess one. Princess Mononoke is my favorite. Well, there we go. <laughs> uh, <there's laughs> but it, it has actually been a while since I've seen, since I need since to I've watch seen Princess again. Mononoke. And the the thing that I've had a lot of fun recently is that my kid. And his friends are all watching um, uh, a lot of Miyazaki films for the first time. And we watched over a Christmas break, uh, Nausicaa, uh, Valley of the Wind. And that and that movie I hadn't seen before. And I watched it with my son and watched it kind of through his eyes as well. Mm. And it was it was pretty mind blowing. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to watch those a few times. I haven't seen Porco Rosso, uh, which I really want to see, and mm-hmm. Castle in the Wind, which I really, which we have a copy of Castle in the Wind at home, but I haven't watched it yet. Huh. Um, we were given it at um, when when my son was quite a bit younger and we never quite cracked it open because we thought it might not be but now now is the time now is the time now is the time uh so i'm excited for that and i'm excited for you to get to watch the boy and the heron so uh join us back once we've done that until then we've got to talk about another yago Lanthimos films and just for people who are chiming in for the first time uh there have been several moments in this podcast which would be defined by the arguments that Matt and I have had. Yeah. Uh, Spotlight being the main one. Spotlight in my being one of them. I re, you know what? I rewatched Spotlight just recently and I was like, man. I, I know you love it. it. I know. I love it. I know. I love it. I love it. Uh, and uh, the other one being Yagos Lanthimos' <laughs> not previous film, but a couple of Two films, films ago, back. Three films yeah, back. The Lobster. Yeah. Uh, which I think we had a big argument about. Uh, about the ending specifically. About the ending specifically. Uh, but then we have done the favorite on the podcast, oh, which, yeah. I, which I think we both love. Indeed. Um, and it's funny because we talked about Saltburn last week as um, a sort of direct descendant of the talented Mr. Ripley. Um, what I what we forgot to mention there was that the favorite is probably uh, a bitter um, heir to the talented Mr. Ripley in many ways. In, in a lot of different ways, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although I will say, uh, to Saltburn's credit, I have I think I've only listened to one song since we recorded that podcast, <laughs> yes. and it is "Murder on the Dance Floor" by Sophie Ellis Baxter. Oh, she's uh, great. It's it's nuts. That there, song slaps. And there's a five and a half or six minute like non-radio version that oh, really? is, is fucking great. There's there's another song she did, which I actually found quite heartfelt. And I actually listen to it every now and again, called uh, Music Gets the Best of Me. 
Uh, but guess who gets the rest of me? You. Whoa, wow. That's fun. <laughs> I know. I just, I, I love that song. I want to listen to more of her catalog. Yeah. Uh, she's still around. She's yeah. still kicking around and she's great. She is, uh, she is a perfect encapsulation of everything that the two, early 2000s was right. and could be. Um, <laughs> could you tell us what Yargos Lanthimos' new film starring Emma Stone uh, is is about? Well, I can't tell you, but you know who can. Who's that? The one person who writes all of the He's descriptions worked. on the internet movie it is database. Yargos Lanthimos, by the way. He just writes it? Yeah, it's him by himself. He just he, just, he writes all of them. He writes every movie. Uh, internet movie database internet thing? Internet movie okay, database. well, yeah, yeah. here we go. Let's see if he gets his movie right. The incredible tale about the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and unorthodox scientist, Dr. Goodwin Baxter. Goodwin. God. I think that. God. Yeah, Godwin. Godwin. God. Pardon. Yeah. Pardon. Pardon. Yeah. There was too many O's in my sentence. What does God think? Uh, what does God think? Uh, that's accurate. That's an accurate <laughs> thing. It does not. I mean, it, it does what I want it to do. Okay. Uh, so that's a good, good IMDb. You Solid I, seven out of I, ten. I, I think we should sit you a task because you make such a big deal with the IMDb okay. thing. Is that you should write your own IMDb no. intros? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, I, I am but a, a mere uh, uh, discusser of others' work. Dare I not <laughs> step my toe into the well, movie how would description you game? The film to someone else if you weren't going to use the IMDb uh, description. Uh, let's see. I would probably say something very similar about <laughs> this. It would go because I think this is a solid seven out of ten. Um, that I would add um, something along the lines of uh, going to uh, how do I put it. Which will surely move you in and out of your comfort zone. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like like a little hint or some sort of thing involved right. in it, but I do. I like it when, yep, this is the first act. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's always a pleasure because then you don't know where the thing's going to go and it gets you hooked anyway. So it's fun. Can I tell you what I thought about the first act? Oh, sure. I loved it. Can I tell you what I told about, thought about the second act? Sure. I absolutely adored it. Okay. Can I tell you what I thought about the third act? Okay. This is the greatest movie ever made. Wow. Oh, <laughs> wow. We're going. I, I, we're going uh, hard. I just, from frame one, was enamored by this. And I know, like, I, you know, I do this from time to time, which is that I'll, I'll just use our main reference point uh, from last week, which was, we were talking about Saltburn in terms of, like, I really enjoyed Saltburn from Same. frame one. But I was just in the hands of greatness in in this film across the board. And, and, and I was... So happy to see this film. And what I was really excited about was that I went to my local theater on a uh, on Monday night, the night after New Year's, mm -hmm. and there was actually a decent crowd there. Yeah, it was, was, wasn't wasn't huge. I went today at three fifteen in the afternoon. Also, decent crowd, like and, and decent crowd of people that were clearly on a date, oh. like 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 adults on a date. Um, and and when I say on a date, I don't mean first date. I mean. Couples who know each other, who have been. You interviewed them all, and well, I just, I just, I saw the faces afterwards, and I was like, these aren't people on their first dates. <laughs> and this uh, would be an interesting first date movie. It would be an interesting first date movie, and, and you I better saw, go to dinner after and discuss it for. A I saw long with time. my friend, uh, with my friend Nick, uh, who hasn't been on the podcast. Hopefully, we'll get him off. And, uh, get him off. Did I just say we'll get him off? Uh, we are now it, sponsored it, by Adam and Eve, so I mean, if you want to get a gift, I'm sure that ad will Freudian play at some point. There. Yeah. Hello, Nick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. I love going to see movies with him because he um, he he uses his whole body to laugh. Oh, that's fun. you know, and it's like uh, I think the last movie I'd been to with him was Avatar Two, and he was just like he was he his whole body is involved. In Did the movie. he cheer when the whale got its revenge? Without a doubt, All right, uh, and he cheered every just he was he was enraptured by this film, and I and I like I I could see when we walked out of the movie to talk about it. Like there was, I think from both of us, 
a kind of sense of, man, how amazing it is, must it be to be fully able to express yourself through the medium of film? Because this movie seems like such a clear expression of the unique interests of Yagos Lanthimos. Now, it is an adaptation of a novel by uh, Alasdair Gray, um, and it is something that um, Yagos has been wanting to work on for a little bit. A uh, little bit, but I think the just we've seen this again from the lobster the favorite and now this just such such a clear vision of what a cinematic experience is that is uniquely his and at you know like this this movie is a, a, a in one sense a steampunk vision of the history uh it is a a sort of uh quite provocative vision of female sexuality uh it is it, it skirts on dangerous territory in terms of the the um, born sexy yesterday cliche that um, I think it was um, pop culture detective had talked about yep. many years ago. Um, it is um, uh, a thoughtful uh, exploration of the development of a person uh, and, and in their personhood um, through infancy to uh, teenage years, to adulthood, to engaging with philosophy. And I like, I, there was one thing I thought about towards the middle of the film that I was sort of a little bit, I wondered if it had to be a film about this particular topic for, for a while. But at the same time, I was like, no, I, whatever I think this should be or shouldn't be, I am in the hands of a master here. And I am without a doubt willing to go wherever this film is willing to take me. And I just absolutely adored this thing. I was, I was, so enraptured by it. I'm so, um, so happy for Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. You can, you can see in their interviews, like Mark Ruffalo says this thing is, you know, they talk about, well, Mark Ruffalo in particular talks about his franchise yep. films. Oh, which franchise? Yeah. And he, and he, and I, you can just see him talking about this going, man, it is so exciting to break away from that and do something that genuinely scares me. I believe Emma Stone also said uh, the dangerous part of this movie for her was now she only wants to do movies do, that sort like, of make her feel like this, and yeah. that's dangerous because they don't come around a lot. Like, yeah, and, and uh, hopefully, because this is a movie that she's producing, she's cultivating a relationship with the August Lanthimos. They've actually shot another film. There's a short There's a short film that she and was in. And they've shot a, yeah. another feature. Oh, really? That, that they shot in New Orleans that uh, I think it's called Kinds of Kindness. Oh. Um, that are becoming, and I think they've got another film planned as well. So he's she's cultivating a relationship with him to kind of make this kind of work. And I was just really like when I watched this, I was I was I was thinking about Superbad, obviously, just which is where we first saw her. Sure. And then thinking about the which journey. we just saw in Saltburn. And we we did see in Saltburn. And I was thinking about the journey that she takes, um, you know, she's taken as an actress. Um, and how extraordinary it is to be in a position to do a film like this, which is daring, which is risky, which is provocative, you know, like all of that stuff. And it's, and yet it's playing at a big movie theater. It's probably going to be in the conversation for the Oscars this year. Yeah, It's delightful. It's fun to watch. It's so much fun to watch. It's so funny. Um, I just, I was like, what, what a great, what a great movie going experience. Yeah. was. Um, what do you, I mean, you know, I, I'm prattling on. No, no, I no. I was, I wanted so you, much. To, I wanted you to finish. Okay. So I want to tell you the journey that I went on, yeah. uh, before I get into my thoughts about the movie. So I had seen the advertisement, I, the advertising for this, no trailer. Yeah. Um, I had only seen posters in movie theaters, honestly. That's where I first saw like stand ups and okay, things. Sure. 
And I had to say, I did not like the look of it mm-hmm. in the in every piece of promo material I saw. I was like, oh, okay, but I knew it was, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess uh, I butcher his name all yeah, the yeah. time. Um, Yagas Lanthimos. Yagas Lanthimos. Thank you. Um, I knew it was one of his films, and I had, I again, the favorite. I really, really enjoyed the Lobster. I loved ninety percent of it. Like it's, it's. He's a filmmaker that I am always interested to see his work. Right. I also. It was funny. It was around the same time I think Halloween uh, was happening, and I saw basically the old Adams Family font was their <laughs> font, and I yeah. was like, okay, yeah. So I, again, I just it, for whatever reason it wasn't connecting with me. Okay. Um. And then we went today, and it's interesting. The beginning of the film, again, I, I, I will f- say straight up, I enjoyed this movie immensely. The thing I, one, one of the many aspects of this movie that I liked a lot was I liked this movie more and more as it went on. Right. There was not a drop-off point for me. There yeah. was not a thing. And in the beginning... It's funny, like I was liking it, but I was like, oh man, mm-hmm. baby Emma Stone is kind of like, I'm like, it's okay, is this what was this what we're doing for the yeah, hour? Yeah, like, yeah. it's good, but like, is this where of course it doesn't, it moves on. Um and I look, I know actually I'm not sure from the from the book book. I know this is not now we're getting into minor, minor spoilers. I know this is not Frankenstein. Right. But this movie feels like a natural extension of sort of Mary Shelley's vision. Yep. Like it's the next version gen- of Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein, the next generation. Yeah. And to have it be portrayed and to have the whole movie basically show the world through, uh, through Bella's eyes. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, like we see this sort of, you call it steampunk. I would call it almost like Susian mm-hmm. in a way. Like, uh, Everything well in the beginning, things are black and white, and Dr. it's smaller, oh, and it Dr. feels Zeus. yeah, yeah, right, okay, yeah. Um, and then eventually it becomes this sort of, uh, or you could say Wonka, Wonka esque yeah, in a yeah, way, yeah, yeah. like, and you just sort of see uh, all the beauty and the horror of the world through Bella as she's sort of experiencing it. Yeah, and what a fucking delight! Uh, the art direction, incredible, right? Uh, you get you get lost in it, like yeah. you don't. It's also, it's funny because it's an over two hour. I think it's two hours and maybe uh, 23 minutes, something like the that. The quickest movie. Oh my God. Show. Yeah. Blinked. You just, yeah, and, and, and There's Nick a, said this afterwards. He was like, I could watch five more hours of this there, movie. There is, it's so funny. There is a moment near the end where it could have been the end. Yeah. And both Jamie and I, we were talking about it after we saw it. We're like, oh, um, we were kind of bummed that that felt like the end. They were like, oh, there's more. Yeah. Like it was a real good, yeah. like, uh, good time at the movies and again full theater people reacting people um having genuine emotional reactions be it funny or sad or 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 the tense moments you could feel build up yeah um what a master class of riding the knife's edge of comedy and horror in a, in a way yeah um you know i feel like mark ruffalo and emma stone will get a ton of praise from both us and from the academy etc yeah I think Willem Dafoe Amazing. did a phenomenal job a as Godwin Baxter, a.k.a. basically Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, but now who is a doctor like his creator was. Yeah. It's God. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, and the ex- exploration of, uh, I mean, basically a woman who 
again, minor spoilers to get into the discussion of it. You do learn this in the first, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes of the film. But yeah. uh, if you want to go in blind, this is your jumping off point. I give you permission to come back in two hours and 21 minutes when you've watched this film. Sure. But the basic outline is this Frankenstein-esque monster man who is now a prestigious doctor himself. Uh, found basically the perfect corpse of a woman who seemed to have jumped off a bridge into the into the Thames. Yeah, um, I believe. Uh, and then uh, who was also pregnant, but the water preserved her because it was cold. So her body was dead. Her body was almost in the state of dying. The infant was alive. Rigor mortis has not seen it. Yep. Uh, so he did the only logical thing. Well, why wouldn't you? Uh, take the baby out, take the baby's brain out and replace the dead brain of the woman with the baby's brain and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then that's the story of how uh, Bella became Bella. Yeah. And holy fuck, what a what a what a ride that movie takes us on. Yeah, I I think it's, you know, like you could say that it evokes young Frankenstein at the beginning, you know, like that sure. sort of it has a zany quality to it. It has but, a zany quality throughout, but but also uneasily oh, zany yeah. and purposefully. um uh, provocative and thoughtful. There's something interesting. And I don't think I've actually seen a film or a filmmaker do this as well mm -hmm. as uh, Yogos. Uh, there is a, there's so many laughs in this movie. Yeah. But you're never secure. You're never, you never feel safe in what is going on. You, there is always the chance that it like, you always feel like nothing is assured. Yeah. And I don't know how you do that. I, I you know, th this is a conversation. That's a compliment. I'm yeah, saying yeah, that is a, a good conversation thing. Nick and I were having afterwards because we were wondering about how to do the sexuality in the film without it coming off as leery. Yeah. Or by the same token, um, uh, sort of uh, sex education by way of cinema, you know, like like with a sort of not condescending, but, but but with a sort of preachy tone about like what is what is right and what is wrong. It has none of that. Uh, it is simply an exploration of this of a, of a really singular, strange idea of uh, a a child's head inside a inside a grown woman's body, and the way that it plays that out often feels both zany and weird but also logically true like you kind of go yeah that chicks out you know like i would imagine that by the time this brain reaches a sort of uh puberty level that six is all they're thinking about because their body is able to yeah. function you know like you sort of go okay uh and and, and there is even a moment of a really risky moment where i felt myself cringe in this movie going mm -hmm. oh boy i don't know if i is this movie going to be able to pull off this sequence without right. jumping over the edge? And we should talk about spoilers now because I I feel like to to really get the most out of this movie, we have to talk about the specific sequences that are happening in the sure. movie. Um, and so um, I, I'm going to jump to a to the part where I thought the movie could get itself derailed. <laughs> and uh, to be fair, in my opinion, his films have derailed before. Yes, we, 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 expertly crafted things that I've enjoyed have gotten to a point where I've been like, no. <laughs> so, I mean, for me personally, it was definitely a possibility. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I was certainly, there was a moment where, so the thing that I was sort of questioning most was that does a, a movie that is so expertly playing with genre, with time, with history, with sexuality and feminism, 
have to descend into a story about a woman working at a brothel. Right. You know, like I, I kind of was like, oh, is that really what this film needs to do at this point? And then I sort of stepped back and said, you know what? I think uh, when I think about what the novel is, and and there was a book that I read uh, many years ago that I that I actually wanted to adapt, but I think Robert Zemeckis got the rights before. Son of Zemeckis! Goddamn you, Zemeckis! Uh, it's a book called uh, The Fermata by uh, Nicholson Baker, and it's about a person who can stop time and uses it for sexual purposes, um, and and then meets a, a woman uh, that can also stop time, and these two basically fuck their way through time. Um, which so is, like Russian doll. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's and it's really the thing about it is is you go it, it's sort of like what if Frankenstein had primal urges you know like what if Frankenstein was fucking um, and and I think there's a part of me that goes yes that is what is actually interesting in this film now uh, we do live in a time where uh, it it feels like the exploration of female sexuality in this film became a commodified. Um, moment where she becomes where she becomes a prostitute and i was like does her sort of growing understanding of femininity and feminism have to be taken through that route in particular and i wondered about that but at the same time the film is so masterfully um has a masterful handling of these particular subjects particularly around sex and sexuality that i was like okay if that's what this story is going to do that's what the story is going to do and that's pro presumably what the book did and it's presumably why there was an interest in doing this as a film was was to do this and not to and and it's exactly the thing that I thought would make these sequences not work is if they were leery or preachy or or had this sort of you know sense of morality to them. But instead, they're sort of exploring the idea of what is what is at the heart of being human, and and the idea at the heart of being human here is sex is a primal urge. And we are introduced to other characters. Honestly, it's so funny. Other characters outside of the initial house. So yeah. so not uh, obviously Dr. Godwin and mm. not really, I would say, um, who, what was the- Remy Yosef's character? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to remember that character's name. Uh, Max McCandles. McCandles. Um, everyone else- represents or eschews, eschews, I don't know, um, a, a element of humanity. And uh, it nor sometimes ratcheted up to an extreme like Duncan uh, uh, Wenderburn, um, who is just like a Lothario and obviously Mark Ruffalo is having the time of his life playing this character. Yeah. Um, but he and Nicholas Holt from The Favorite should do a dance off. Yeah. Way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but like there's there's other characters um, I want to find oh, uh, uh, Harry Astley, played by Gerard uh, uh, Carmichael. Carmichael. Yeah. Uh, who basically is I, I loved I he was only in there for a little bit. Yeah. I loved his character in this movie because he is weird and nihilistic and honest he's, with he's what he cynic. believes. Yeah. He's a cynic. Yeah. And then after he takes uh, Bella to a place to show her what how the world really works yeah. to, to his point, he admits freely to her. He's like, no, like, I'm sorry. I wanted to hurt you. I saw you were an idealist and yeah. I wanted to take that away. Yeah. And and Bella, Bella is a character. And what Emma Stone does with her is so fascinating because. It is almost as if. It's life and human nature if you take almost all emotion out of the equation. I think yes, what but I but I want to nuance it slightly. Yeah. 
It's not emotion that's being taken out. It's shame. She has, okay. she yeah, has that's no, better. That's she better. has no shame. She has none of the implicit shame that comes with being an adult, particularly in the Victorian period. Yep. Uh, particularly. If that's a way better it. way to put it. Yeah. No, I like that yeah. better. Yeah. So, so, but you see all these different characters mm. and the way that they all react to her yeah. are also elements of sort of human. I don't know. It, 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 it it's a fascinating study. I will say this. Mm-hmm. If I had to give one minor yeah. uh, pox on 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 this movie, I do actually think that uh, that's at a certain point, some of the sex, especially around seeing uh, Emma Stone, does get a little leery and not in the not in the oh, this is shot in a way to do it. But like her her being presented in those situations outweighs a lot of other character like if you wanted to look at sort of her let's even just go straight up like nudity versus like male nudity in this movie mm-hmm. i would have really think it would have gone a long way to sort of see a more even distribution like yeah, you do yeah. you do see you see full frontal dude as well yep um but like that was the what like and again it's it's a minor gripe yeah um i just thought that that might sell the idea of it from from a, from an external perspectives to, to keep it from for, to keep anyone from uh sliding into that particular pitfall yeah. in their in their viewing experience i i get i i i understand and i i think that was part of my does an exploration of a woman's like coming to her identity have yeah. to be done as a prostitute in in you know uh not just not because that i think that that's morally in impossible it's just that feels like we've done that film here's what it is yeah we've seen that movie a thousand times and i don't think as well as this yeah yeah and, and so so when when it is presented initially it's like okay there has there there must be another story we can tell but then you're like oh this is actually integral to what they're all trying to do and, here you know um there's a sequence there's a scene in the film where uh she uh she's introduced to the brothel and uh, she, I think she has a first encounter, uh, which which happens very very quickly, and and you know she sort of laughs about it, and 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 she's more taken by the idea that the short act garners her enough money to buy Claire. She she also says specifically when she runs back into Duncan, she's like, "Oh, you were absolutely right. You are the best lover well, in the world. I mean, I, I got it. You are correct. I yeah, just yeah. I just proved it. I just I didn't realize uh, she was all about experimentation and proving things. And, and and that's my point is that it is through her eyes where she is interested in these acts. And um, uh, I think in a, in a later scene, a butcher comes along. And offers some meat to the um, to the um, mistress of the house, and then has sex with uh, with uh, Bella. And she says something which I thought was quite strange. She says that was quite brutal, but not altogether unpleasant. And and it reminded me so much of Alan Moore uh, wrote a wrote a graphic novel years ago called Lost Girls. And uh, Lost Girls was essentially not right. Alan Alan Moore trying to do. I think he does Alice in Wonderland. Um, the uh, Dorothy from Oz uh, and two other characters, but uh, all exploring their sexuality. Um, it's a very explicit, extremely explicit. All right, yeah. Novel. I don't know if I go to Alan Moore for these type of things, but, but you can. But like with everything with Alan Moore does, it's like you can see him working through the ideas. 
And 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 he and he's actually you know look I think Alan Moore is a great writer same um, but so, I, I know what I go to him for <laughs> it, it's it, it's it's re again really provocative and it is about these young women kind of claiming their sexuality because they're interested in sex and I think the 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 reason we're sort of having this reaction again because we're two dudes sitting in a room talking about this movie for one and two you know we are uh, at a time where sex has a commodified value to it that is both uh, unequal and, um, you know, the, the boundaries of how it happens are being examined, you know, to the point where it's like, is there enough male nudity to female nudity in this film? We're sort of reevaluating sure. the way this has been done in the past. So I think, I think that's all fair. I think, though, the film never really, never oversteps that line because the writing of Bella and the performance of Bella is always about her agency within these acts. You know, like she is engaged and interested to figure it out. It is like she is documenting and experiencing these things. So I actually found that the six scenes uh, as they happened were quite varied. And it was like, oh, she's experiencing this for the first time. How does that play out? She's experiencing another woman for the first time. How does, how does she feel about that? You know, like um, when Duncan uh is going down on her you know you can clearly see that she is like well are we not doing that now like i, I was waiting for that you yeah. know like it's all about her experience through these and i think it's quite um rich and detailed in that respect so it's always actually to me i was i was willing to go along with it and then there is a natural evolution of her feelings about it through which happens through philosophy. I love that she reads Emerson and she's like, pity Emerson doesn't have anything to say about the lives of women. Yeah. And you know, and and her um Prim, the old the Ms. old Prim, Yeah, Miss Prim is like, perhaps you should read Goethe. Um, you know, it's it's like Oh we, no, Miss Prim's sorry, Miss Prim is the the housekeeper. Oh, okay. The um the older woman on the boat, um, you know, who who has not been touched, um, I think in Bella's word, has not been fucked for the last 20 years. I believe years. that's played by Hannah Schulgula. I think it was Martha von Kurtzrock, I okay. believe is the character. And she's like, and she's like how, ter how, how, how terrible for you that this was. And she's you know, clearly interested in her. So I think the way that the film frames perspective and agency within that perspective allows us to navigate these topics. Yes, I, I do think, I think my point of view about like, does a w the exploration of a woman's femininity or her... Um, her sense, her quest for identity, have to be done through prostitution. You know, yeah. like sure, that that comes from a place of the movies we've seen. Yes, but this movie happens to do that very, very well. And if you engage with it on its terms, it's actually ingenious uh, how far it's willing to push the idea that uh, her exploration of her sexuality inevitably ends up being part of her empowerment. Because she is a disempowered woman to begin with. Right. Um, well, and we, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, a disempowered know, she, child. Yeah, she's a disempowered child. Well, she's a child that, that has an adult's body. So it's very strange. Here's, the, and, and it's funny because the, the movie doesn't explicitly it's a body go into film. Sure. You know, like in the same way that Freaky Friday is. Ooh, yeah, except. <laughs> One is a literal baby, but she grows. But it is a body switch film. Yes, yeah. It's not an adolescent or a teenager. It's not a teenage comedy yeah. like Freaky but, but Friday. It's funny. I, the, the and this is why I think this movie is so skillfully done. Mm. You're never comfortable with it. Yeah. Uh, like you, well, the, 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 if you look at it from a from a you okay. Let me rephrase. You get more comfortable with it as. Yeah. 
she becomes more of her own person. Yeah. She is the sum of many parts as I guess we all are. Yeah. Um, and it is jarring to have her in Emma Stone's body in the beginning. And Emma Stone does a great job playing that character sort of going through the entirety of it. Yeah. Um, I think in a world without shame and, and, and oftentimes uh, a couple other things like emotion, et cetera, can only be explored as well as it is here due to the world and the rules and the tone and the honestly performance and direction that this movie does. Like yeah. there are so many plates spinning to make this work. Yeah. Um, where very easily under the guise of less uh, skillful artisans, it could just all come crashing down. And, and you can see that in the, in just the execution of the way the film is actually put together. Like the world is so, the world is again, is, art direction. Is the, so the, beautifully it's conceived. Funny, the brothel. I didn't even realize till the end, but has penis windows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, the oh, side note: shout out to Catherine Hunter, who is the who plays the Marm, okay. uh, who plays uh, uh, Sweeney, I believe. Uh, who she was also in um, the the Macbeth movie that uh, with oh, Denzel. Yes, she was course, the witches. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, she's done a yeah, bunch she's of a theater. Yeah, she's right? done puck. She's done. She, <laughs> yeah. Oh, holy shit! Yeah, so good in this too. The voice. The voice. Is oh my god. Yeah. Um, and her is her body covered in tattoos. I in this movie yeah, it is, and yeah. it's funny. I was I was trying to figure out the uh, if that I believe that was a, a, a comp shot. I don't believe that uh, she is, but yeah. like yeah, I always whenever I see that I try to like watch heads and again my my VFX. I, I'm brain. they did they would have done it with makeup. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, uh, regardless, uh, the entirety of the design of this movie. And maybe that's another reason why I'm comfortable with a lot of the uncomfortableness yeah. of this movie is the entire thing is Bella. Like yeah. the entire There's world. There's never a moment where she is not taking an active role in the exploration. Even at the very end yeah. when uh, a, a member of her previous life comes back and yeah. basically kidnaps her all over again. Yeah. She chooses to go. Well, I think she's curious. She wants she, to know. She's curious and she chooses to go. She wants to know where did she come from? Yeah. And what was her story? Yeah. Um, uh, she's also, you know, she's not. I, I really loved the exchange because I believe Godwin um, initially told her that her parents were adventurers who died in an adventure and then like gave sent it to her or whatever. Uh, and when she finds out the truth, mm -hmm. uh, he she confronts Godwin on his deathbed mm. and they have just the most logical and touching touching conversation about like well i can forgive that but i'm not not the lie and he'll be like i can live with that and yeah. like then it's like cool well also you get a sense that he has a you know like he talks about it often that he was experimented on by his father uh you know for most of his life and <laughs> I, I, dr frankenstein with the serial numbers filed off yeah yeah and you can and you can see that uh he is navigating the monster he might be versus the monster, you know, like the fact that he is also legitimately the father of Bella. Yeah. And <laughs> they, they make another, they make another girl. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the character's name. I remember the, the actress. It was, uh, Ad uh, uh, quality, Margaret quality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, it's so funny because she, like, didn't you say call her Bella, the whore, Be <laughs> bell whore, bell whore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because the, because miss prim, I yeah. believe was pissed that she left or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, 
they try to like make another one because they miss her, but it's just not the same because you, that's not how anything works. Yeah. Uh, also, the 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 house that Godwin and they all live in with like the animals and like it's all treated so commonplace. Yeah. But again, because it's Bella's world, and it mm. would be commonplace for anyone who basically was created or incepted i don't like who's brought into that world so uh i i also i think uh, part of the the sort of brilliance of the structure is the sort of i guess it's maybe you'd call it like the iliad you know like there's an odyssey quality to this where she's traveling from place to place i love the the chapter markers and that's what i was going to say the chapter markers were really beautiful and kind of you could see that they were basically Bella's imagination at play. Um, They also oddly reminded me of um, uh, Lars von Trier, you know, the way Lars von Trier does intertitles. I, I, you know, again, I I think I'm, this this is one of those episodes where I wish we had a a counter voice to us. Yes. To, to, because we, we, like, I, you know, I loved this movie. I absolutely adored this movie. Uh, first thing I came home was like, I think my wife will absolutely love this movie. But I was like, but I'm also curious, will she? Right. You know, like, because maybe for her, uh, it's a story as old as time and maybe we don't need to see it anymore. But I I genuinely think, again, what gets me excited about it is it's done on such a grand scale and in a movie theater. It gets me excited for the, the possibility of the movies. Again. It's a grand scale and this is what got me every time on practical sets. Well, the, it's funny. It's funny because they use the key tool that I the know. Marvel Cinematic yep. Universe has yep. kind of been accused of overusing, which is the um, the volume. Yeah, the they use the volume and they did it on the ship. They but, did it all over the place. But, but there's still well, sets. Well, and what's amazing about the way that they use the volume is that it it rather than rendering... Uh, the sequences as realistic. Yeah. It becomes painterly. Yeah. Because they even, I believe uh, it might've been in the variety, uh, you know, checking out the frame or whatever video that I watched, but they talked about how the sky was a composition of clouds and And water and and liquids and oils. Yeah. And then that was projected on the day that they shot the thing. And then they did some extensions, Mm -hmm. you know, when they, when they had to. Um, But like, I think episode said it was actually uh, it got a little nauseating because yeah. you're looking at it and you're not like it's yeah. it's moving for the camera, not them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I could totally get that. That I feels think, like when and, you're and, and again, if you go back, it's not to be a, a sort of poo poo on the MCU, but um, poo poo on the MCU, uh, poo-poo MC poo 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 on the MCU <laughs> um, was uh, uh, I think it was Taika's uh, Thor uh, Love and Thunder was was when the sort of discussion the overuse of the volume uh became a question mark around um the way that that felt you know like again the 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 volume really came to play in the mandalorian yep uh and that's where it really felt extraordinary um in in recent years it's kind of been a a sort of replacement green screen but you know an effective replacement green screen but one where it still feels like hey these guys are on a set um, and this one, the set really makes sense because as Yargos Lanthimos says in that, in that interview, this is the, the, the worldview of Bella. Mm. This is, this is how she views the world. And it's not just that there's a projected window outside. It's that the world itself has this sort of like, as you say, Wonka is quality to it. 
which is off kilter and it's punctuated by the music as well. And, you know, Lanthimos himself, um, he has, uh, you know, I think a tendency to be, to have a kind of nihilistic view of humanity, even though it's sort of like, you know, quite funny as well. You know, like you look at a movie like The Killing of a Sacred Deer or The Lobster, um, you know, they're, they're fairly nihilistic films. But this is quite oddly touching. It is quite human and it is quite loving and it is quite, um, you know, monsters are monsters in this movie. And it's it's got a fable-like quality, which I, which I think really works. There's something else that I think, um, this is an odd thing I'm just putting together now. But another reason why I do believe that the way and the amount, uh, 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 all of the things I think this movie is trying to say, and we're sort of, again, seeing it through Bella and we like questioning like, oh, does it need to be a brothel? This is that. And the mm-hmm. other thing, there's something interesting with McCandles. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I hope that other people got this too. So I'm curious if you did as well. There's a point when she comes home to see uh, Godwin, uh, you know, help him pass on and they're yeah. walking, then uh, Max and her are walking. Yeah. and uh they're talking and she basically i forget how it goes but he he she asks him if she's angry at her for being uh, for boring yeah and he goes i'm not angry at you i'm jealous of the men for the time that they got to spend mm-hmm. and then from that point on because he trans he, he transitioned a lot because before he was very possessive when mm-hmm. before she left that, and yeah they were even going to go into this weird contract to yeah. like keep her in the house and like yeah. all this stuff and I think it shows what, what I hope people take away from this, because uh, I think I did, is it shows how the sort of more toxic views or 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 let's even just say the status quo of men, women, marriage, et cetera, throughout the ages. Yeah, it doesn't it. it I truly believe it is a disservice to women in many ways, depending on what culture and all that stuff. But also like. In addition, it does rob men of healthy relationships as well, in yeah, a way. Yeah. And he grows into a place where, like, he can be honest with. The other thing I, I thought was really lovely was um, um, the woman, uh, uh, Tunette, uh, uh, played yeah, the, by uh, yeah, yeah. Susie Bema. Yeah. Uh, she's at the garden party, like, at the end. So, it's like, they're all still friends. Like, it's, everyone's it's fucking cool. Yeah. And, like, you don't ever <laughs> see that, but, like, there's just, like, a, a really nice, like, you're right. Well, the way you put it was perfect. It, it's it's sort of the human experience without shame. Yeah. Uh, even when you're carving up a villain and turning them into <laughs> a, a goat. A goat. Um, yeah. but, Christopher like, Ab- but, you know, Christopher Abbott plays it so, oh, you know, like, so, so villainously. He is a mustache twirling and it, and it's perfect for the sort of fable-like quality yeah. of the film. You know? but, but I really liked where every character ended. And yeah. I feel like they all, like the main, the main players anyway, even down, <laughs> even Miss Prim, some of the side ones, yeah. they all learned, it felt how to best enjoy life through the eyes of someone doing it quicker and for the first time. Yeah. And it was just a really like, it's odd to, it's very strange, but this is a uplifting kind of feel good film. Yeah. Despite it's many dark, weird, silly Wonka turns. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was exquisite. It's easily my favorite of his films. Um, 
definitely the best Emma Stone performance, I it, think. It's an extraordinary performance. And it's it's just, I think it's, you know, like what makes it extraordinary, and I think this is Nick's reaction again, uh, was that how incredible it is to watch something so free. Yeah. So, so free, bereft of like the constraints of what we think is acceptable. And something that I truly believe, and I know we've talked about this slightly on the podcast before, I believe you can feel and see in the cracks of a movie yep. how much people who are working on it really love it. Yeah. And you can tell that everyone in this fucking movie loves it. Yeah, they love the film. And it's and for good reason. Yeah. You know, like this movie is surrounded by this sort of aura of good feeling. Um, and and I think that's that's hard to quantify and it's hard to but it, it, you know, like if we think about it again from the sort of perspective of where these these actors are coming from, because these are major, you know, actors right now, um, I think it I think we are seeing that pendulum swing away from making film away from getting the bag, you know, like away from like doing movies specifically for the money, you know, like, like I think films are uh, that pendulum swing is beginning. Sadly, I think television hasn't hit its fulcrum point yet. I'm not sure what it is, but you know, like my, my comparison point would be Gwyneth Paltrow uh, saying, you know, like not really sure which, which Spider-Man movie she's actually in, (laughs) you know, like that kind of thing versus what Mark Ruffalo and Emma Stone are talking about in this movie is like, this is why I do what I do. You know, this is why I, um, I get to act is because I get to do things like this and I get to explore a character like this. And I love her so much that I want to see where the character goes. And I'm in such good hands with the filmmakers around me and the collaborators around me that we are all on board on this journey. And it's like, that's such a wonderful, you know, you can, you, like you say, you feel it yeah. when you watch the movie and it's, and it's from everybody. Yeah. Um, and it's like, wow, what a, what, what just like a lightning in a bottle kind of experience this is. I, so the last, my last thing, cause I think we, I've said my entire piece, but I, I wanted to just sort of say uh, as to that point of sort of a, a, a switch back of movies sort of mo- in going into that direction. Yeah. How cool is it that this movie and in my opinion, I know I got more mileage out of it than you, mm. Bo is afraid mm-hmm. came yeah. out in the same year because really, I feel like really good year. I feel like they are oddly. And I still, I haven't, I wish I had more time to marry it on this before we did the podcast. I'm sure I'll talk about it in the future. Yeah. Maybe in our best of episode that we yeah. do in 2027. I, I can um, see the corollaries the, of each other. It feels like yeah. they're weird mirrors or other ends of the pendulum analogy again, yeah. or something. there's something very similar about a human experience on, on different sides of a coin. Yeah. And I cannot wait to have both of these on my shelf. I already, I got Bo's Afraid yeah. for the holiday, uh, so I and, own it now. And I think, you know, Variety's been doing this thing where they have directors in conversation with each other. The the Yagos has teamed up with Ariasta. Great. So they, they're talking about their films in, in respect to each other. Um, and I think it's, I, I guess there's a sort of humor to it, which is that they're both Freudian, you know, like deeply yeah. Freudian films. Yeah. Uh, again, not using psychoanalysis as a real tool, but as an analytical, yeah. just sort of theory. But I just, when I was, right after it, I was like, holy shit. And I was like, it, I, I, in my head, I was like, I knew that that this movie, that uh, Poor Things came out in December. Yeah. But I was like, it just got it right under the wall. Because I think What Was Afraid came out in April. In or something. April. Yeah, something like that. And uh, I don't know. I just, I, I love that they both came out in the same year as just a, 
a note. Yeah. I don't know. Like it just feels right. Again, 2023 did some fucking work. Yeah. And it's, I think, I think, um, you know, this is the reason we don't do our end of year like in, in December. Sure. It's because it's because there's so many films like this that we need to get through. Did we ever do the 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 poll? We didn't do the poll. Okay. Uh, although someone twi- uh, on Twitter today mentioned that uh, this is the film they would have voted for had they not voted for well, Rebel Moon. Well, then had we- they not voted for Rebel Moon. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I don't want to watch Rebel Moon. You put it on the list. I know. <laughs> I think here's the Why thing. Why did you put it on the list? Because like, because I think it's important. Why is it important? I think it's important to like. I'll go back to poor things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what did she say? You said the quote when she has sex with the butcher. Uh, it was brutal, but not entirely unpleasant. There is an <laughs> there is an element to where big budget streaming action films are going that I have still a curiosity for. I, I can appreciate a curiosity. That that's totally fine. I I my mileage has entirely ex, entirely run out of gas. Sure. Um in terms of in terms of it would requ- it, the, the 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 chance of this being good and I mean Ribble Moon given what we have seen in the last 8 or 9 years is is so astronomically high sure that you know like i'm just like what what are the odds this is but also and and also at the same time there are films like this sure there are you know tran anhua's film uh anan huang's film um uh i forgot the title about it the 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 french film about uh food uh there's so much opportunity to 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 spend our time Bitter. I want to look. I, I want to because it, it, it's weird too. Something like Rebel Moon, also mm. oddly, yeah. And I know you don't agree with this, and it's okay. Maybe I don't know. Even if it's bad, <laughs> it somehow enriches other cinema for me in a way. Like I, I, I want to be. I want to know what's going on in in a lot of different corners. But we have what we do have a finite, and that's totally fine. If we had infinite time to talk about like if we did a movie every day that would be totally fine we have a finite amount of time sure. to discuss film but i also think there could be interesting conversations to be had again you're <laughs> on a raw excitement for like it's funny i don't know if i'd want to watch it not for the podcast does that make sense yeah like, I'd, I'd watch it for the, not for the podcast no no I, I don't want to not right i i the only way I would watch it is for the podcast. I, and I'm just saying, I presented you with 25 other films. And I want to put 25 <laughs> on a vote thing. Yeah. I got to find you that but, tool. That's right. But, but, That's but, but, why but what I'm just saying it. is there are 25 other 24 films. 24 now. 24. But 20, there are 20 odd other films that are, even if they're bad, have more opportunity to do to pique the curiosity you speak of. I don't know that. but But we do know that. We have seen Batman v Superman. We have seen Justice League. I've also seen seen Dawn of the Dead. I've also seen Sucker Punch. There are weird things. Have you seen Sucker Punch? Yeah. Yeah. There's terrible things in Sucker Punch, but there are also interesting stuff. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to defend it. And and also, we're talking about, uh, you know, I like Zack Snyder. I think he's a great guy. I don't think you do. I do. I actually, (laughs) actually, genuinely, he seems like a very nice person. Oh, no, you might like his persona. I don't think you like his films. I, I, the the opportunity cost for a Zack Snyder film is so high for something else we could be discussing at this point. But my and point, we have my, been proven time and time again. My point is, <laughs> and we should, you, we you should, even said 
a while back that you didn't want to do Star Wars anymore. I don't want to do Star Wars anymore. And then this is a Star Wars movie. It's not a Star Wars movie. But 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 I didn't want to do Star Wars anymore. But no, it's not because I felt that actually. Wow, you might have convinced me to want to see Rebel Moon more. Okay, because because I didn't want to do Star Wars anymore because the um the holders of Star Wars, I guess Disney Corporation, mm-hmm. uh, I felt was just squandering it and making a shit ton of bad decisions. Now again, I don't think that Rebel Moon is the answer to everything. We've spent too much time talking about it, but I will say there is something saying Zack Snyder going to a team being like I, the team that I am not respecting anymore mm-hmm. saying, I want to make a star Wars movie and them going no. Yeah. And Zach's being like, all right, I'll do my own. And With almost, hookers and Coke. I don't but, know, it all, but it also, it's like, <laughs> I'm not going to dissuade that because I don't like what the actual you property is doing in line to see the Mickey mouse, uh, horror movies since, uh, Oh no, that's just <laughs> kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, um, anyway, my point is I do want to make the poll for everybody. Cause you're right. We don't have enough time. And, and I gotta be honest, if there is 24 films and one of them is rebel moon, I'm comfortable with that on a poll. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, uh, we will, I will find that. Imagine tool. if we hadn't done poor things because we'd done rebel moon. Oh, it'd be that, terrible. That's what that's what I'm. But you gotta spin the wheel sometimes. You know? <laughs> we spun the wheel. We have spun the wheel so much yeah. for those franchise movies that I'm just like, I, we put it on the poll. <laughs> anyway, uh, poor things is exquisite. You should definitely see it if you haven't. I don't. It's funny. We've spoiled it, of course. Yeah. I don't think it matters. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a imminently rewatchable movie. Yeah, uh, and it's. It's such an experience. Uh, and, I, you know, it's only in theaters for a little while, I presume. Um, but if you can go to a, like a larger screening where people are in the audience with you, it's such a great theater movie as well. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. It's really, really fun. And this has been the only podcast about it. That being poor things. Uh, Shahir, when you are not inviting Zack Snyder out for a nice seafood dinner and then never calling him again. Where can folks find you? I, you know, I really do think Zack Snyder's a great dude. Um, but, uh, but I may not call him for a date. Uh, <laughs> my website, www.shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-D. Or my company site, suvanova.com, S-U-V-A-N-O-V-A. I should, I really like Man of Steel. Anyway, um, Matt, when you are knocking at the door of Zack Snyder, hoping to let him, uh, to, to be lit in, into the, into the money piles of Ribble Moon franchise money, where can people find you? If that existed, yeah. <laughs> it's like a Scrooge McDuck I style. Know. I don't know if that exists, but I, if it did, yeah. you would find me uh, McDucking it all over the place mm-hmm. uh, over on Extra Credits and Extra History, both over on YouTube. You can check those out. Uh, I believe we just started our Wuzo Tian series, which uh, is gangbusters. I love that series so much. And we just did. Um, uh, a player hierarchy of needs episode, basically like Maslow's, uh, but, but, for, players? but for players, like what uh, well, you what, need. What, Cause interesting. My son is playing video games right now. Sure. Uh, and he, he loves Hades of all things. Hades is dope. Has he, is he good at it? He's decent. He's decent. Has he, he, li- he hasn't beaten it yet. Okay. But the, the great thing is spoilers for Hades. Anybody. Yeah. Once you beat it, you didn't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but he's he, like, you know, what was funny is I, we went to a cafe on Monday and is we playing on the switch. Uh, no, no, no. He, we played it at home on Sunday, oh, okay. but on Monday we 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 got talking about like Hades and Greek mythology and who per- Persephone was. Also, some adult themes in that game. Yeah, yeah. I think that I'm keeping a close eye on it. Definitely, it, you might have to have actually legitimately some discussions at certain points. You don't see it's never graphic, but discussions. The the thing about my my the age my son is at right now is we are at a point where we 
where we have this. We don't need to shield him from things. Yeah, of course. We we can have discussions yeah, about that. Which I think yeah. actually Hades is a beautiful. Yeah. It is a beautiful place to start a lot of interesting discussions yeah. in, in all in, in many subjects, both mythology, yeah. history, uh, hum, human young. nature. He's still, you know, like a lot of he, like uh, his big takeaway from Aquaman is Aquaman says bad words a lot. Like he was like Aquaman says <laughs> shit a lot. <laughs> um, but 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 I'm like we're now we're not at the age where we're trying to shield him from that yeah. as much as we're trying to like have Talk conversations. That, about that's it. great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that he's playing Hades. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, he loves it. He loves Hades. It's very, uh, what very cool. What other game we playing? He, for for Christmas, he bought me Sonic. He was like, your, Sonic uh, Frontiers. Frontiers. It was like, this is your Christmas present. I was like, I don't think this is my Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard good things about that as well. Uh, it's, it, fine. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. It is good. It has like elements that make it feel really Sonic, but then like it's a bunch of just emptiness around it. But you have to have that because he runs real fast. I don't fucking know. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's totally fine. He's He's really into video games. Um, and oh, we, uh, we got him, uh, a raspberry Pi. Oh yeah. So he's, yep. so he, now he can like make choices, um, about what he wants to play. And it's his, it's his raspberry Pi. That's very fun. Um, yeah. So Anywho, anyway, <laughs> next week we'll have, I, I, I will find that actually that'll be on my list for tomorrow's year. Yep. I will find the polling like device. You will get on the poll. Uh, yeah, yeah always. You'll, you'll get on the poll. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it won't be, it won't be good for anyone, but <laughs> I, I will do it. Uh, and I'll, I'll get that and we'll we'll get that sort of uh, sessed out because I'd love to get down what we're doing uh, before we talk about our year in view in March got, or April. Got, I, Iron Claw seems to be the one for next week. It really you think? Does. Yeah, I really do. Do we uh, when do we know when the Oscars are announcing? I their... think it's February. Probably okay, so March. we got a while. Yeah. So we've got to guesstimate to make sure we could make our work. There's a lot easier. of really good movies yeah. on this list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we should uh, spend as much time as possible. We've so we've yammered more about the behind the scenes process uh, on this episode. Than we Why have not? In a while. No, no, no. I think we've done the right amount. Anyway, we will talk at you all next week. As always, email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com if you have to tell us what you think about poor things or uh, any of the films we've covered before. Or if there's a film you want us to see and talk about by the end of the year, not saying we'll do it, but we love hearing what you'd like. The direct to DVD sequel is Rich Stuff. Poor things and rich stuff. <laughs> Who's seen rich stuff? Uh, yeah, send, send us <laughs> that, your that's rich Riddle stuff. Moon. <laughs> <laughs> your rich, rich stuff. stuff. There we go. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.